Yeah, we want to bounce back and play better. Um, I mean, we talked about it this morning. Uh, we expect uh, to have a better start um, and just kind of rate through, uh, just perform at a higher level, um, execute, be more intense. I think, you know, in playoff time, you know, this is a very enjoyable time and, and, and there's a lot of fun. Um, and it's a great opportunity for our team and our guys individually to, to play well and perform. And, you know, I don't think we're, we're losing track of that. All right. That's Morgan Riley. It's the Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and Sportsnet 360, Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy. All right, here we go. Uh, Game two tonight on Sportsnet. Leafs, of course, hoping there's more important games to be played, but as far as this core is concerned, this is the most important game they've ever played. Down 1-0 in the series, lose game two as the home team, and uh, the road team now has an 81% chance of winning the series. Historically, uh, we'll get into it. Um... Maple Leafs have only lost twice this season in consecutive games at home, and neither of those times was it in regulation. Blake, what are you expecting tonight? Well, uh, to your first point about, yeah, it's the biggest game of their lives or of their careers or of their Leafs tenure. It reminds me of the movie Office Space when he's like in the, he's with the hypnotist. He's like, well, I, I hate my job and there's nothing to look forward to. And I realize every morning when I wake up that, every day is the worst day of my life That's because it right. gets slightly worse. Well, yeah. for the Leafs, it's, yeah, every day is the most pressure-packed day of your life because mm-hmm. until you you finally win and you finally break through, it's only going to build more and more. Um, now, win tonight and maybe it's like a little, a little lighter for Game 3, but you still know absolutely with certainty you're going to have to take at least one in Tampa. Uh, and if you lose tonight, you have to take probably two in Tampa, and it's only going to swell even more. Now, we can listen to Morgan Riley say we expect to start better. We can hear Luke Shen, any worse. Luke Shen and Sheldon Keefe and everyone say the right things on message, right? Um, they were saying all the right things leading up to game one as well. They've been saying all the sure right were. things since the handshake line was so respectful last year. Well, yeah. Um, they like, you need proof of concept on this, right? You, you have to see it. I, I don't, I think obviously the, the body of work for the individual players and how good this team is over the last couple of years. And as a regular season team, yes, that has earned a benefit of the doubt, but the Leafs of it all trusting that you might actually see the right version of them tonight has not earned the benefit of the doubt. So uh, I will judge, you know, like five minutes into the game if I think there's anything to any of that. Yeah, you can do that. You're well within your rights to do that. I will say that the modus operandi for this Maple Leafs team come the postseason is actually not to look at their worst at the beginning of these series. It's actually getting progressively worse. Although I will say for, you know, game six and seven against the Lightning last season, they just kind of got games. Yeah, they lost in overtime in game six and it was a one goal game. In game seven, if you want to go back, like the, the most recent example of the situation that they're in right now is that 2021 postseason series where there are no fans in the building until what was a game seven or game six in Montreal and then game seven back in Toronto in the middle of the pandemic. Leafs lost game one, of course, uh, pretty famously as John Tavares suffers the horrible injury. That was a devastating loss to a team that finished 20-some-odd points behind you in the standings. So it was a similar situation going into a pressure-packed game two. They actually went down one nothing in game two. They won the game. It was a 5-1 win. They scored four goals against Terry okay. Price, two power play Here's goals. the thing, though. When you have lost in the first round six years in a row, yeah. just mathematically with how many different combinations of good and bad games there are, you can point to anything. You'd be like, well, this happened this year. Well, this they were yeah. different teams. They're different. Just this team has continually found a way to 
be annoying, first yeah. of all, but get in their own way. And yeah, you can go back and look at the Montreal one, and some of the pieces were the same. Or you can look at last year's Tampa Bay series, and most of the pieces Montreal, are the same. Montreal, not as good as Tampa, I would yeah, say. Yeah, even the Columbus one, where it was like very, ah, uh, we're going to play. Yeah, team stunk, though. Yeah, and they, they kind of did a thing of, well, we're going to try to play a completely different style come playoff time, and oh, shocker, the Columbus Blue Jackets were better at playing Columbus Blue Jackets hockey. Sure were. Um, anyway. There are a lot of parallels you can draw, of course, and mostly that to me doesn't tell me anything other than they've been in a lot of these yeah. scenarios, yeah. Uh, and we can draw back to them because they've all had the exact <laughs> same result. I, I don't want yeah, to ultimately, go... Ultimately, but all getting to at least a game seven or a game five. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see a bounce back. You ever play the game Plinko? Uh, like the Price is Right game or whatever? I've never gotten a chance doesn't to play it myself. Ma- but you've watched it. You know what I'm talking about? I, I, yeah. yeah look, if the, it doesn't matter which way the thing, which path the ball takes. Right. If it lands on $0, yeah, it lands on $0. Zero. And I don't really need to retrace the path. Buddy, I saw Bob Barker in person I, at a taping of the Price is Right. So you're going to say at a, at a pro-am golf event? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I saw his 10th his to last taping um, in, in California. So I'm well-versed in the, in the, in the Plinko oeuvre. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what to expect. I don't expect uh, from this team as a whole. I, I, I guess I got to expect a better start because hard to look yeah, any it, worse than the, the first 10 minutes. An own goal saw. is the only way to start worse than game one. Right. Like if someone, yeah. if they win the opening like, draw and they turn around and just fire a clapper <laughs> yeah. at Samsonov. Everybody, yeah, just, yeah, all their sticks break in unison and it's a five on O oh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. That would be, I guess, a worse start. I think the guy, again, I'm looking at most specifically is Ilya Samsonov. Now, if he had come up with a couple of big saves early in that game, like it's not entirely on him, and and, and there, we're talking about rebound goals early in that game, but if he comes up with some spectacular saves early in that game, maybe the Leafs do ease into it, maybe they get their bearings, and maybe they, they look a lot better in the overall than giving up seven overall goals. He's going to get the start, obviously, despite the fact that it was perhaps hanging in the balance after game one because Sheldon Keefe wouldn't immediately give him the benefit of the doubt, but that's... I'm really curious to see yeah. what the what the the leash is for for Ilya Samsonov. Tonight. And we heard all of the guys talk up that yep, Samsonov's whole thing this year has been he bounces right back, right? He doesn't he doesn't wear it, he doesn't let it carry over. But there's not a lot of track record of him doing that in the playoffs because this that was only his ninth playoff start. Right. Um you just you don't know with the goalie even the very good ones until you get them in a situation like that and we talked to kelly rudy about it yesterday about young goalies coming up from you know the ahl or the minor leagues and even if you're playoff tested not knowing until you're really in the spot and like you don't know if you're ready or you don't know if you can bounce back until you do it now samsonov's not fresh out of the ahl but he is still pretty young for a goalie and fairly inexperienced on this stage like again we're talking single digit games uh, in the playoffs so i I don't I, I think they can talk up that he's going to bounce back. I think with goalies, the truth is that we do, we just don't know no, until we, no we see idea. it. Well, now, and we didn't even see it in game one. We saw a lot of players bounce back in game yeah. one. Samsonov's maybe his worst goal was the last one he allowed yeah. in the dying seconds of the second period. I know it was a five on three, but the point backhand was, yeah, was as soft it, as it, it was comes. Bad. Now, to your bigger point about he's the guy you're watching. Yeah. I don't mean to be all highfalutin about this but i actually i don't want samson off to be a part of the story at all in the first couple minutes of the game no. because as as much as he was very very shaky in game one he was left in some very bad situations very early on and yes the rebound control could be better if you were a little sounder positionally in your net maybe some of those scrambles are, are a little more muted and they're a little more at home in front of you and there aren't those opportunities for for guys to bang in scramble goals mm. but also 
there were forwards turning the puck over at their own blue line, not engaging in the neutral zone the way we normally see them, um, just bailing on four checks. But there were defensemen not picking up at the blue line as Tampa Bay tried to enter the same way we've seen them do so effectively all year. Like there were there was a lot going on before. Oh no, Samsonov's caught out of position. I don't mean to absolve him, but early on in this game, I am. I'm not really as worried about how does Samsonov look in a dangerous situation as much as are you giving up these dangerous situations that well, are not it. characteristic of you? He was the best goalie in the National Hockey League at high danger save percentage at five on five. So the Leafs decided, well, let's just give him only high danger well, stuff well, for that's a couple it. He minutes. Was, the, the Leafs were not uh, among the top five teams that allowed high danger opportunities. That was the thing about this team is that, yes, um, it's not exactly a plug and play position, but it's not one where you're asked to do a ton. At least you're not supposed to. Uh, he's supposed to be in a better position than he was in game one. The other thing I'm looking at, I'm sure every Leaf fan is also looking at, uh, is the whistle and which way it goes. And I know you're going to roll your eyes and you're going to say, ah, you know what, it, the, the, uh, officiating is the black box and there's no way to to anticipate which way it's going to go and, and you can't control it, so why even worry about it? The last part is what I was going to say. Not, not that you can't f- try to figure it out, but yes, you are not going into this game with any ability to control how the referees use their whistles. Right. So it is not something that's on my whiteboard. It's not something that's in my pregame chat. No, 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 no. But it's for us, I'm talking about. Sure, Observers. Yeah. Because, I, listen, I threw it out to you to break down how likely it is that a team wins a hockey game in, in which they get the fewer uh, power play opportunities. Turns out out, not as likely as winning the game by having more power play opportunities and if you go back to the seven game series last season against the lightning six out of the seven games were won by the team that had the most power play opportunities of course the only one that wasn't that way was game seven but now it so, seems important to, yeah to and not I- take the most penalties in this game. It does. And Tampa Bay is a team that we've been hearing this since we knew this was the matchup, right? Well, what does Tampa Bay do? What is what is going to be different about this series versus other teams the Leafs could play? And a big part of it is Tampa Bay's willingness and comfort playing on special teams. And that's not just, of course, they're comfortable playing on the power play. Mm-hmm. They would love that. But they are very, very comfortable playing a style of game that is going to see them once again lead the league in penalties. Like they were shorthanded more than anyone this year. That's been the case in I think for the last five years or something like that. And they're always right near the top. This is for them. That's a feature, not a bug because they can turn games into styles that make finesse teams uncomfortable or teams that are not comfortable you know, playing a 5-6 power play and a 5-6 penalty kill game, all that comfortable. Now, we saw last year was a huge factor in the series, not only because, as you just laid out, six of the seven games were won by the team that had more power play opportunities, yeah. but uh, the Leafs lost that series in part because their power play completely dried up Stunk. Look again. Good. That, I mean, if you're, I think the number one positive to take out a, a horrible game one for the Maple Leafs was power the power play. play. And yeah. the, the first two looked like clinical. They ended up two for four. Both teams actually 50% on their, <laughs> on their uh, power plays. Turns out that the uh, the lightning had eight of them, but yeah, I mean, if you if you're projecting forward, if you if you're, hey, listen, we just did a ten minute meeting. Nine of the minutes were about how horrible you guys were in game one. I'd save that one minute for how good they looked on the power play. Sure. Um, and so, in terms of the numbers, you asked me to to look up. So, if anyone's yeah. curious, since two thousand eight in the playoffs, um, obviously when power plays are even, teams are fifty fifty because power plays are even, the games even. Yeah. Um, but if you have if you get more power play opportunities, you win 56.5% of games. That's pretty small if the edge is only one. So if you get three power play opportunities, your opponent gets two, mm-hmm. four, three. Um, 
is pretty small. It's only 52.1%. Yeah. But it's once you get into the game situations where you have multiple extra opportunities. Now, where this gets a little noisy is what is the direction, right? Are you getting more power play opportunities because are you Boston Bruins game twoing it up by, you know, hitting everything that moves in the tail minutes of a game that you're losing by a ton? Yes. Are, are you getting more power play opportunities because you're ahead a lot early? Are you getting more power play opportunities because you're outplaying the other team and they're on their heels and they take a couple bad penalties? Mm-hmm. Um, are you getting more power play opportunities because the entire NHL is designed to minimize its own revenue and keep the Toronto Maple Leafs from getting out of the first round of the playoffs oh, year you, over oh, year? You, you said the thing. Yeah. yeah. No, it's look, power plays are obviously a, a very good thing and I think drawing more penalties says a lot of good things about the way you're playing and the discomfort your opponent's playing with. I just think the the routine now of identifying who the referee is in the morning of the game and looking yeah, at their historical yeah. stats no, with that team. And that. Said, that- I, I will say that there is human nature involved where I'm sure everybody's seen the narrative surrounding the Toronto Maple Leafs and Sheldon Keefe and Wes McCauley, mm-hmm. including the officials for tonight's game. And yeah, our- the, the Justin Hall pick play <laughs> that was tonight. That's, yeah. um, but there's also, so, and I know no one likes to hear this because it, it we assume that the referee mistakes are uniformly against us, right? I get it. That's a part of being so dialed in and being so leveraged emotionally on one team. But the people, and and by people, I mean, yes, analytics people, but there have also been like psychology studies on like the nature of officiating and why is home court advantage a thing to the degree it is in basketball with the referees and things like that. And one of the things that actually comes out in those is yes, you're going to get a run of McCauley's or Scott Foster's with Chris Paul or something like that. Mm -hmm. But on average, once an official or a person in general is aware of something like that, the tendency is actually to overcorrect. That's that's, I mean, that would be my point about the officiating tonight that the, this is not Wes McCauley again, but this is a a crew that has seen the narrative. They, they, they saw some of the discourse. They saw John Tavares talk about, how the the three-time Eastern Conference champion Tampa Bay Lightning get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to the whistle. And, and that's not an explicit thing. It's probably not a conscious thing. But could it be subconscious that, yeah, maybe the Maple Leafs in game two get the benefit of the doubt after a couple of iffy calls in game one? And I'm, of course, not talking about the Michael Bunting call. No. And you know what the most proven way, though, is to create some conscious or subconscious bias with the referees to look like the way better team yeah. right out of the gate? No, that helps. Because if you're faster and you're putting a team on their heels and you're yeah. constantly in their end and, and attacking and they're chasing you around. You should do that. Yeah. That is what is going to tell the referees, oh, Tampa Bay looks overmatched tonight. Yeah. Maybe they're <laughs> going to try to take some edges or try to neutralize how yeah. good the Leafs look with the odd slash or hold or whatever. That This is the same for every team, but the best thing you can do to control the whistle is to play really well and put the other team in situations 100%. where they need to take penalties to keep up with you. Yeah, that's it. A hundred percent. I agree with that. See, we talked about officiating. It was so awful. Um, Matt, we're going to talk about Matthew Nyes now. Uh, and we're going to talk to Shane Doan after six mm. o'clock, who knows him well. We're going to see what kind of wrestler Matthew Nyes is. Yeah. They're rolling around the living room uh, like Hot Rod. You know? Yeah. Uh, the reference Blake is making uh, to was a, a story written in The Athletic about uh, Matthew Nyes and, and Shane Doan getting into a, a wrestling match. Uh, in Arizona. So, yeah, they know each other uh, very well, obviously. When you play hockey at a high level in Arizona, I think there's, like, one guy you go to, and it's probably Shane Doan. He's going to make his playoff uh, debut today. Uh, nah, he's not Doan. Uh, he's played a couple of games. Uh, Sh- Shane, Shane Doan's been there for a minute. Uh, but he's going he's gonna to play on the third line. Ryan O'Reilly's going to be his centerman. Um, 
he, I think rightly, Sheldon Keith pointed out that there's actually not a ton of pressure on this kid. Like the pressure was, as he rightly pointed out, playing in, in front of the same number of fans, but being the guy that everybody looks to in these high pressured championship games for the University of Minnesota. All he can do is almost pause it. He's not, you know, it, it's, I guess, is it possible for him to commit an egregious turnover that ends up with the puck in his own net? Maybe, but this is a guy that's going to be looked on, looked to to create offense. And in the brief moments that we saw him during the regular season, three regular season games, this is not a guy that looked afraid to make some dangerous passes, honestly, but some passes that were so some plays that were um, intended to create offense. I would say I, that's what I'm expecting out of Matthew Nice tonight. And honestly, I know that the the turnover he had in the, his first game at his own blue line yeah, is one don't that, do that. It, but and it stood out. But if you look at the way the Leafs treat breakouts, the Leafs are actually like like system wise okay with some of those riskier passes that. Yeah that lead to offense the other way. They, they generally prefer that to like a safer play up the boards into bodies, right? Like that's, yeah, that's that we saw from Mark Giordano and then, you know, Zach Aston Reese trying it up the middle. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I no, think they're, they're okay right. with some of those. Now that was a, a really bad example, uh-huh. but I actually think, you know, first of all, you learn from that. That's a really good way to get that checked for you right away is to make that mistake in your in your first game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think the physicality is going to be an issue. I don't think, you know, finding his spots within the offense is going to be an issue. I think his play along the boards spoke for itself pretty much right out of the gate, and especially in the game he played against Tampa, uh, that level of physicality and, and fighting for pucks and, and making defenders uncomfortable, whether on the forecheck or through the cycle, all that's there. Um, the one area, and this is where... You know, him getting his first playoff action at home where Sheldon Keefe can dictate the matchups a little bit more. And he has Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari, who are pretty defensively sound line mates. Because yeah. um, the, the one area where I would maybe still have questions about his readiness for a large role in the playoff series is the skating, right? If, if it's an up and down game, Tampa doesn't necessarily... Like, they're not the Edmonton Oilers, right? They're not zipping up and down, but they will cash in on mistakes. And and if you're not able to, you know, stay on top of your check back the other way with your your skates, that's where you get into, you know, transition penalty situations or odd man rush situations. So I'll be curious to see how they deploy knives and against which line. I'm assuming a lot of his starts will come in the Tampa zone. But even within that, you know, are you careful which line he's going out there against? Because, again, all the stuff in the offensive zone, all the physical stuff, is there and should be excited to see him. Um, but the skating in open ice play is the one area where, you know, he's maybe a little bit behind. Um, he seems loose, though. He's, he seems, you know, like the pressure is he getting yeah. to. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's you talking first, about the traffic. Your fourth career game is uh, is a playoff game, a yeah. huge one. It's not going to be his fault if the Leafs lose the series. Is it Like, how could you possibly <laughs> blame it on him? It's and what did, what did Sean Keefe say? Uh, he's not expected to come in here and save the world. No, he was the thirteenth forward. Nice if he did, though, yeah, it would be great. You just <laughs> S on your chest no, and and some get it done. Some people put a ducket or two down on on him uh, scoring a goal in, in tonight's game. So yeah, yeah that would be quite interesting. Um, and uh, we'll we'll get an update about uh, Victor Hedman's availability. It's a game time decision. We'll talk to Luke Fox uh, down at the uh, arena in uh, in mere moments. Zach Bogosian though is in. Tanner Janot is in shockingly Tanner Janot is in after you know, it wasn't even a month ago that this guy seemingly bent his uh, leg in the wrong direction. But uh, yeah, the, uh, the lightning after giving up five picks for uh, 
Tanner Janot, he will play in a postseason game tonight. Ian Cole, good to go as well. I know there wasn't really a lot of doubt, but when yeah. he was like the mouthpiece for the Lightning this morning at Morning Skate, I was like looking and refreshing. Like, why is there no injury update? It's like, well, he is just like the guy cutting the promo and answering yeah. all the questions. I think that's a that's a good implicit. Uh, he's good to go. The Headman one, we, we heard from Luke Shen today, and Luke Shen basically said, uh, yeah, I've been through a Stanley Cup run with this guy, and I know he's played through some stuff. I'd imagine he'd be out there. It's a little hard to see him going through the, the skate and warm-ups and stuff like that and, and not – Although, giving it a go, but I mean, also he weird. gave it a go at the start of the second, and, and apparently it's a new injury. It's not a flare-up of something else. And if if you were into the gamesmanship element of things, like being up one nothing already and him not playing in game two, and then winning that game as well and going up two games to none with Victor Hedman only playing in half of one game, that would be that would be quite a thing. Quite a little feather in the, in the Lightning's cap, so we'll see. N- not that that plays into it. If Victor Hedman's good to go, he's going to play, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously already a game you need to win. Certainly a game you need to win if Victor Hedman's not playing in it. Yeah, and a game that you need to, I mean, a win is a win. They they don't ask how, but uh, I'm going to be asking how if you only skate by by the, you know, mm-hmm. your short hairs against the Hedman-less Tampa Bay team. Don't know where the confidence level will be heading into a game three if Hedman's, uh, and, and this is, I think, the main takeaway. The fact that Hedman's a game time call tonight, even if he doesn't go tonight, I mean, he's certainly close. Yeah, and you, you're not expecting say, an extended absence. Yeah, but I mean, I guess the other side of that would be that it's unlikely that he's at a hundred percent. Same with Janot. Like, incredible that that he's going to play in a playoff game. But I, I don't know. Are, are both guys at a hundred percent? Hard to imagine that. Yeah, but I'd also just like take them at less. Like yes. those those no, guys at seventy percent. You would. Victor Hedman's the best defenseman in this series at like what sixty percent? Yeah. No, no, he's pretty good. Like, what's the point at which Sergachev becomes the best defense? Because it's it's not a Leafs guy who's next man up after Hedman. No. Um, but where you do get into a, a dicey situation for Tampa is it's a team that had six defensemen in game one that you weren't super confident in the depth's ability to, you know, hold up in, in big playoff style minutes. And they came through obviously way, way, way better than anyone could have hoped for for Tampa in a really tough situation where they were down uh, two defensemen for most of that game. Um I don't know. You got to test Zach Bogosian, right? You got to you got to really push on those potential weak spots here and see because even if Hedman plays, you're still down Chernak and up Bogosian. So, um, yeah, you you got to you got to pry and poke at those weaknesses like right out of the gate. Yeah, maybe they should look like they did for 82 regular season games or the majority of them. Uh, game two tonight on the Sportsnet main channels. No Blue Jays today. The off day. Uh, before they start a weekend series against the Yankees and 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 save your tweets. Tomorrow's game is not on Sportsnet. It's an Apple TV Plus game, so you got to sign up for that. You know uh, where it is, though. Oh, it's on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and you can listen the to... The Sportsnet app, sportsnet.ca. Yeah. Uh, ben Wagner and Blake Murphy with the call on Sportsnet uh, 590, the fan. Blue Jays, though, lose the series to the Houston Astros, and if you had told me uh, you were going to be... Down two to one in the eighth inning, but the bases were going to be loaded, none out for the top of the Blue Jays' order. Would you take that? Oh, I would have yeah. said, said, yeah, no doubt. So at that point in the game, actually, bases loaded, nobody out, and and down two one. Even though you're down and you're on the road, the win probability at that point is actually in your favor. Like is you it? are expected well, to you win that need, game. You don't need a hit to to take the lead. You don't. You could do a lot of stuff. Yeah. and come away with at least a Not tie. What they did. Nope. <laughs> And, and then what happened in the other half of the eighth? Yeah, well, okay. And yeah, we'll get to the Zach Pop of it all who got extremely unlucky after getting a, a couple of quick uh, outs um, and Jose Breu with the little duck snort. 
uh, breaks the game wide open. Yeah, Jose, I, I know we don't have a, a ton of time to go into Jose Brios, but that's the other element of like, oh, you laid it out. Oh, it's a 2-1 game. You have the bases loaded. Nobody out. You take that, right? If you told me any other, like leave all the other details out about the game. Just yeah. tell me Jose Brios gave up two over seven and only yeah. needed 77 pitches. Yeah. I would say Jays win. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? He allowed a few deep fly balls. He used all of, of, uh, uh, Mid- Mid- a hundred percent. By Listen, the way, he was due for a Babbitt progression. Astros mm-hmm. were three for 21 on balls in play. There you go. Uh, did you see, by the way, that our first returns for, so they, they stack did the park factors for Roger center. And obviously we need like three years for these numbers to stabilize a little yeah. bit. So don't judge it off of a, a couple of games, but it's playing pitcher friendly so far. Mm. All right. Very, my little simulations beat Mike Petriello's on the first round. <laughs> well, this, this one's going to go like 12 rounds, but early, uh, that's, a 10-9 round for me out of the gate. All right, well done. Um, not so well done by the Blue Jays, top of the order, like I said. But George Spring, what's he supposed to do? He smokes the ball as 70% uh, hit likelihood. Um, yeah, Bovichet, well, He's supposed to get 100% hit likelihood. I, I suppose, especially as a right-handed hitter in that ballpark, like hit it over the Crawford boxes. Mm-hmm. How hard is that? Uh, <laughs> We've seen him do it before. We know he knows how. But yeah, <laughs> right. Bo- and Bovichet, like, yeah. they, they pitched him really interesting all series, whereas, like, he, he got... Very little to swing at in the zone and very little from a, a breaking ball perspective in the zone, which we, we kind of figured, even though he's hit fastballs a, a little better this year. But yeah, getting the uh, free strike right away. Yeah, that's a tough Put one. him on his heels a little bit in that no, play You got to be aware. You absolutely have to be aware and uh, nobody's fault, but uh, Bo Bichette. So that was the bad one. And then Vlad, I thought, had a, a tremendous, tremendous uh, at bat against Brian Abreu. Uh, and then, you know, hit it hard and unfortunately baseball you know it's not just um what you do but like when you do it so if 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 you just if he had been leading off so that's my i mean blue jays should think about leading vlad off because if he had been in george springer's spot blue jays score run probably advanced the 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 lead uh run to third base on that play and then win the baseball game because of course zach pop throws the good pitches instead yes. of the bad ones. And nothing has changed nothing has changed about the rest of the season either <laughs> that, to the, to this point. Um the Zach Pop thing um it'd be interesting to next time we get to talk to a Joe Siddle or something like that or or even just um looking at some some tape tomorrow as I prep for the Yankees series whether there was any indication you know, we've talked a lot about his slider sinker combo going to more of a 50 50. Uh, the Astros swung at almost every single slider. He threw. Yeah. Well, but there were some good ones and there was some good contact but yeah, again, the the uh, Abreu hit was not a bad pitch and it certainly wasn't a rocket to left center field it just you know it found grass and that's gonna happen you know blue jays are gonna win or they're gonna lose the occasional series because that's the first series loss since the opening uh days of the season in st louis and you know what sometimes your best relievers are gonna get hit and sometimes the top of the order isn't gonna cash a run with bases loaded none out you win some you lose some sometimes it rains that's right and sometimes a billionaire steals your team for las vegas <laughs> in the middle of the night that's after years of grinding the yeah. franchise and the city and yeah. the stadium Rough. into dust I, that's that's i know we don't have a lot of time to get into that today maybe i'll pocket it for tomorrow because i'm fired up the oakland A's not not my favorite people right now okay uh one last blue jays note before we go full-on hockey the rest of the show because this is only an hour and a half program as we get you to uh toronto maple leafs pregame at 6 30 leafs and lightning game two um my boy whit merrifield who Ooh. i called for to be given lots of leash 
to start the season to see if like the old all-star Whit Merrifield was in there. It seems like the old all-star Whit Merrifield might be in there, Blake, and he's gotten lots Hitting of plate a appearances. Hitting cool Austin 316 right now or something like that? Yeah, something around there? Ah, and even, even that's the, not as funny. the slugging was was way down, but you know, double yesterday in a pretty key spot. Uh, he's got his OPS up to 743 at a weirdo error at second base, but he's been making most of his uh, appearances in a corner outfield spot. We're actually the... It's so hard to take defensive numbers early in the season, but they they have been a kind to Whit Merrifield in he a corner mix outfield in, spot. He did mix in an error and a caught stealing for you yesterday, though. Yeah, no, I, I mentioned the error, but that's okay. You you take a three fourteen Whit Merrifield yeah. uh, batting average. So I, I I mean I'm sure Santiago Espinal is is going to be counted on at some point, and maybe he'll go through a hot streak. And we saw his first home run and. Hey, Cavan Biggio can do some things, mostly take a walk. Um, but yeah, you gotta you gotta ride with Merrifield here. Yeah, I mean, I think he's playing the best of the three of them right now, and that's all we wanted, right? Move, move the playing time around early so that everyone can get their footing under them, and you can see who's looking the best. And then once someone runs with it, they have the job, and the other guys have to wait for their opportunities. And I think that that is, uh, you know, the way that's played out. With Merrifield has earned a little bit more of the share. Um, I still think you you probably see Kevin Biggio a little bit this weekend with three righties on the hill for the Yankees. Yeah. Um, and that park playing kind of favorably to, to left field. Oh, kind of, kind of, yeah, yeah, no, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. No, well, I'm just like, I was going to say to left-handed power, and I'm like, Kevin Biggio, does he qualify? He is, a, he is a dead pull hitter, though, so. Sure. Um, We'll it'd be see. nice to see Dalton Varsho hit a second home run in the season as well. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him get a snaps and O for uh, yesterday. All right, you you know what else would be nice? What to win a whole lot of money? Yeah, you said it, man. The Toronto Maple Leafs are playing at home tonight, which means yep. they'll be running their playoff fifty fifty draw. Uh, part of a great cause, help support youth across Ontario, excel through sport and community engagement. Tonight's draw is currently up to eleven thousand seven hundred and eighty seven dollars. Uh, so make sure you get your tickets at fifty fifty. Maple Leaf dot Maple Leafs dot com five zero five zero dot Maple Leafs dot com. All right. When we come back, speaking of those Maple Leafs, we will go down to uh, Scotiabank Arena. Talk to Luke Fox as we get set for game two. It's the fan drive time. Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590, the fan. And we are live on Sportsnet 360. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I know Michael Bunting as well as anyone, so I don't have an issue uh, in terms of trusting him when it comes to that. He's got no history of such things. All right, that was Sheldon Keith, And this is the Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590 The Fan, and live on Sportsnet 360. I'm Ben Ennis alongside Blake Murphy. So, um, Michael Bunting, three-game suspension. It begins tonight, game two, 7 o'clock on Sportsnet. Let's talk to... Luke Fox, Sportsnet's uh, Leafs reporter, down at the building getting set for this game. How's it going, Luke? It's going great. I'm uh, pretty excited for this one. It feels like the uh, the mood of Leaf Nation is going to go one way or another after this one. <laughs> yeah, and then it's going to go one way or another after Game 3. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. Um, let, let's start with Bunting, though. Now that we, we just heard the Sheldon Keith clip, now that we have the, uh, the number of games he will be suspended for, three just like on the outset, what, what do you think of a three-game suspension for what was a horrible elbow to Eric Chernak? Yeah, it was it was steeper than I thought it would be. My 
guess, original guess was one, just because Bunting doesn't have any history with getting suspended. Uh, his only run-ins with Department of Player Safety have been for his diving, which is a bit of an issue. But that's much different than being the um, you know the enforcer of punishment there. And the other thing was he got kicked out of the game. He got a five-minute major and a match penalty. Um, you know the game was pretty lopsided at that point, at that point. But I thought maybe they'd take that into account as well. So three was steeper than, than I thought. I thought maybe two. Um, but when you look back at the play, um, you know, their explanation is the fact that this isn't a hockey play at all. Like, it's not a late hit. It's not, the puck isn't anywhere close. Uh, he didn't just have the puck. Um, so, you know, he's an unsuspecting player. And the other big factor, I think, is is that he left the game. He, he injured him. And he's not, he didn't even appear at the morning skate. He's not going to play today. Who knows if he's going to play in game three. So um, I, I believe the Department of Player Safety takes in into account uh the seriousness of Cernak's injury in this instance but yeah it was a little little steeper than I had imagined Luke we we know obviously the the Leafs were preparing for at least one game without bunting their practice lines yesterday kind of tipped the hat that they they knew something was coming uh, at, at least one game and they were preparing as such um I know everyone said the right things or the non-answers the you know Morgan Riley saying he doesn't have an opinion on it that the Leafs not making Michael Bunting available until after the suspension has been served um, but what was the feel being down there around the team did they think three was a little on the steep side as well and what is the the kind of attitude heading into games two to four here because I, I got the feeling that they were cool with Nye's drawing in, but maybe for three games is a is a little more than anyone had anticipated at the start of the series. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they won't go on record saying that, and and I get that. That like you're about to play a game tonight. Your your focus can't be on the what ifs or Michael Bunting should have you know gotten one game or two games. Like getting into those con- conversations serves you no good. So they're they're saying you know big loss. Uh, we're gonna miss him. He's great with our our top line, but hey, this is an opportunity for others. So namely that that's Kelly Yarncroft. Um, you know there was garbage time when Yarncroft took his his spot on the the left wing there with Matthews and Marner, but he did finish off a nice tic tac toe play. Uh, he has proven over the last month or so that he can play with those guys. So, number one, it's an opportunity for Yarncroc to show his worth and fill in where in Bunting's absence. Number two, Matt Nyes comes into the lineup. Now, the thing with Nyes is uh, he's only played three regular season games. Yeah, they were against good opponents, um, the Panthers, these very same Lightning and uh, the Rangers, but those were mostly meaningless games. Um, so they have him slotted with Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Chari on a third line, and I think that's a really smart play. He's going to be pretty sheltered uh, from the, the Tampa's best players. He won't have the hardest matchups, and he's playing with two guys who are really defensively-minded, uh, really responsible players. So if anyone's going to take care of a rookie, it's those guys. Uh, now, how his nerves are going to be today um, with his, his family's in town, this game is so meaningful, and he's making his playoff debut. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see. I mean, it's going to be a bit of a, a sidebar story, I think. Sheldon Keefe went out of his way saying, this guy is not here to save the world <laughs> because, you know, Leaf Nation gets excited about the new toys and, and just... Just as, as we all do, all observers want to see how he's going to fare under the bright lights here. Uh, but th- he's really trying to temper that down. But I talked to Ian Cole, who's on, on the Tampa side, who's been there and done that. And he kind of reflected on uh, his very first playoff game. And he said, my only thought was don't screw up. 
And that's the kind of thing people are going to be looking for. They're going to be looking for, is he going to make a mistake? Now, on the flip side, this kid is confident. Like, I, I, I've chatted with him a bunch because I was on that road trip when he, when he first joined the Leafs. And I'm so impressed with uh, his attitude and approach to being a pro. Um, and, you know, he's living with John Tavares already. <laughs> he's already trying to pick up the good pro habits. Uh, I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. But this is going to be a, a bit of a different animal for him. and It's going to be highly entertaining, I think. So you mentioned that he's going to um, get – you know, not training wheels, but playing with Ryan O'Reilly and Nolachari should at least help with the defensive side of things. There's also the element of his first game comes at home where Sheldon Keefe will have the ability to use that last change and make sure he's out there in advantageous situations. Um, how do you see Keefe's deployment of that line in this game? Because last game, you know, we had kind of a 1A, 1B and 3A, 3B. Today, it's a little more 1, 2, 3, 4, um, the, the way those lines feel. Do you see, even though O'Reilly and Achari are, are pretty responsible defensive players, because of Nyes' utility and inexperience and how much he might affect the game in the offensive zone, do you see that being a line that, that Keefe tries to get out there primarily for offensive zone faceoffs? I, I can see that. Um, you know, Nyes is excellent down low. Like you talk to him or, or you talk to his coaches, he thrives below the dots. He's great on winning battles along the boards, um, making nice nifty little plays with his hands. Like his his hands are fantastic for a, for a big man. Like this is a big body. I know he's just a rookie, just a kid, 20 years old. But his size, when you're standing next to him, kind of it, it really blows you away. He's, he's t- taller and wider than a lot of the, the current Leafs. So, um, you know, I think they, they want to get him – working down low he's got good hands um and and kind of similar to ryan o'reilly that way structurally he's still learning the system though um so i think that's part of the reason why he's put put him with a couple of of wily veterans there but uh yeah it's going to be interesting to see the deployment i wonder if if Keefe was going to make this change regardless of the bunting suspension because that second line that he loaded up of uh, Nylander, O'Reilly, and Tavares in game one, having Tavares on the wing. That line was built to score, built to control play, and they got caved in if you look at the underlying numbers. They actually didn't dominate play. So I, I'm kind of wondering if if Keefe was going to spread it out and move O'Reilly down and try to um, go with the a more depth-like option instead of loading up the top six anyway because they kind of got overwhelmed. Yeah, that's interesting because that was a, a configuration. The one that they will ice tonight was one that we thought might happen on the road when they don't control the matchups for uh, games three and four uh, against the Lightning, but going to it in, in game two. I wonder, I mean, I guess if you're a naysayer, you could say that that's a little too quick, that that shows um, a little bit of panic from, from the head coach, Sheldon Keefe, that you would go away from a strategy that we thought would be employed in, in home games. But yeah, how, how was that surprising to you to see it so early switch to the, the three centers and, and John Tavares back uh, in the middle of the ice? No, just because I've been following Sheldon Keefe around for ever since he got here, and he loves to tinker. He, if something's not, not working, he likes to make changes and adjustments, and uh, sometimes maybe it's to his detriment. Sometimes maybe he should let things play out, but, you know, he he's he, he's like a a workaholic coach like I'm sure he poured over that video like crazy and is in his own head thinking like how can I give my give my guys the best chance to score so uh, I'm not that surprised that he's making an adjustment this fast uh you know we'll talk a lot about this as the series goes on the the chess match between Cooper and Keefe but ultimately I think these guys need to get it done like John Tavares has to have a better game 
Uh, Mitch Marner had three points, but that was a quiet three points. He has to have a better game. Same with Austin. Like, I thought Austin had a good first period, but that, then after a while, he kind of went away. Like, these guys need to elevate. This is, uh, like, someone needs to shake it into their head just how important this game is and this series is because they didn't show it in game one. I mean, that was the biggest surprise to me is just how flat they came out. Yeah, no, that's that would be shocking if they they were uh, unaware of the importance of uh, of these games right well, now. Well, show it then, show it. <laughs> I'm I'm with you. Uh, I I I I don't know where those opening ten minutes of of game one came from, but they were horrific, and I'd I'd be surprised to see them uh, replicated in game two. But I was surprised to see them in game one. Um, I guess I was surprised to see Ilya Samsonov. Look, uh, I mean, the same as, I guess, the rest of his team looked, honestly, uh, for the majority of that hockey game. Uh, I was also surprised to see Sheldon Keefe not give him the the nod that he was obviously going to start game two at the conclusion of that game. He did come around yesterday immediately, but it does beg the question, Luke, like how long is the leash on Ilya Samsonov? Is there a situation where it's it's only like 2 nothing, but the first two goals look horrific, and despite the lack of experience for Joseph Wall, he's entering the net? Yeah, I could see it. Uh, th- I think they would have to be really bad goals, really quick goals. Like, say he gives up two on the first five shots and there's so- Puxy should have saved. Then, yes. Uh, you know, he cannot afford to have another performance like he did in game one. Uh, to his credit, he admitted that he was off his game. And, and I don't think it's he's a bad goalie. I, I really think there was a mental thing at play. I'm, I'm sure he's nervous, you know. Uh, one thing that has, probably hasn't been talked about is he's going up against uh, a guy that's basically revered as, as a god in Russia. Yeah. And th- this is a guy who, who takes great pride in going against Russian goalies. So when they played the Islanders, he was like, you know, it felt really good to beat Sorokin. When he played the Rangers and out-dueled Shesterkin, it was a big thing for Ilya Samsonov. So, you know, he's not buddies with Vasilevsky, but all those guys know each other, and he holds Vasilevsky in really high regard. And I think, you know, the stage that he's in, the, the opponent that's uh, staring him down at the other end, I think the nerves got to him a little bit. Th- this is a good technical goalie. Samsonov had an excellent season. He just can't shrink uh, in the moment. Um, and during that game, I was getting texts from people I know in Washington, and they were like, oh, now you guys are seeing the wow. the, the playoff Samsonov that, that we know. <laughs> so uh, he has to change that narrative, and much like the, the players in front of him, right? Great players. Amazing talent. They just have to bring it when the when the lights are brightest. And this is going to be a huge test for him. I think there will be a short leash. I think if they, like, say they lose tonight, but he plays well, I don't think that means he's getting the yank. But if he has a poor performance, uh, it could be Joseph Walton. Yeah, you mentioned uh, your Capitals people uh, texting you. You know what? The performance in game one kind of reminded me of, what, his 12th game as a Toronto Maple Leaf, his first game in Washington after mm. the Capitals didn't qualify him as a restricted free agent, and he gives up the five goals and talks about the, mentally that being an issue, Luke. Like, you, you remember that. You were there. Like, yeah. was, that, was that not a similar circumstance? It was. I mean, I think that's, that's the question about him, right? Uh, it's mental. And... Uh, you know, I'm, I, I want to cut him some slack. He's playing, in my mind, this is this is probably the most mentally grueling position in all of team sports. Uh, you know, everyone's going to point to the goalie, even if it's the, the forward who misses his man or the defenseman doesn't, you know, box out. Ultimately, he, he's responsible. You have to be incredibly mentally tough. Uh, now, let's flip it to the positive. This guy hasn't lost back-to-back games in this arena all season long. Uh, he's always responded back after a, a bad loss 
with a good performance. So uh, credit to him. He, it was really important for him to get in a good practice yesterday. He was adamant that he wanted to practice. They kind of tailored the practice a, a, around him. Lots of rushes, lots of shots. Uh, he, he says he's feeling good, so, and he's vowed to bounce back. So, you know, and, and he's shown that this year. Let's see if he can do it in the playoffs. And, of course, the team can do a better job putting him in, in better situations, especially early on. Um, obviously, a shared blame there. We've talked a lot about the forwards getting juggled up. We've talked a lot about the, the pressure that's on Samsonov to play a little better now. Um, Sheldon Keefe going with the same defensive pairings that we saw in game one. Maybe not a surprise given how he came to that decision uh, of those three pairings in general. And if we thought Liljegren was going to draw in uh, at some point in the series, Luke Shen played a, a pretty okay game one alongside Morgan Riley. But um, do you anticipate any tweaking with the defensive pairs as we go here tonight? Uh, or, or did Sheldon Keefe mostly, you know, stay comfortable in what those three pairs gave him in game one. Yeah, the thing I'd say about that is a little bit surprising that um, he didn't start mixing the pairs a little bit once we got into garbage time mm-hmm. in game one and things got out of hand and the defense did not have a good night. I- I'd say that the Hall-Giordano pair uh, yeah. was was atrocious. And I-, I know fans like to pick on Hall, but that was one of Giordano's worst games as a Maple Leaf. It was really shocking. It was really out of character. Um, just simple things like boxing out, you know, being calm, getting the zone clear. These types of things, like Giordano's been money in the bank for that. So I, it was a little surprising. Uh, I would expect that, yeah, he does mix if, if things go south, but I would expect a much better performance. That was not the way the Leafs play defense normally. And I think maybe it's just jitters, overwhelmed by the moment, but they need to get back in their groove. I was a little bit curious to see if they'd make a switch and put Lilligren in, but like you said, I don't think Shen was a, was a huge problem in Game One, uh, and he's a calming presence. Like even just being around him in the morning skate, uh, he's chatty, he's talking to guys. He, they, they respect the fact that he's got a ring on his finger. Uh, Lilligren is is still new to this, right? Relatively, so um, he's an option. I think if this things don't go well. Um, but yeah, he's he's on the outside right now, and we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, I, I I love his puck moving, and that and puck moving was an issue in game one. So I think there was some thought that maybe he would get in, but maybe Keith doesn't want to change too many things and look like he's in panic mode. He's already changed three of his forward lines. Um, if you start changing the D pairs too, yeah. then it might look like a little much. Yeah, you know, and, and no offense to Timothy Lilligren, you know what's more important, like whether Victor Hedman plays tonight. Um, yeah. <laughs> what is your gut sense here, Luke? I guess we're going to have to wait until we see him take the pregame skate. Like, what, what is your, your sense, talking to the, the Lightning reporters, uh, being in the building tonight, as to whether or not Victor Hedman will play in Game 2? Yeah, officially he's a game-time decision. And, uh, you know, we watched him take the morning skate, which was a, a good sign, I guess, if, if you're rooting for the Lightning, that he's actually on the ice. You know, Cernak wasn't on the ice. Uh, but he didn't look himself, like, in the morning skate. It, he's obviously nursing something. Uh, he's, you know, he's a, he's a warrior. He'll battle through it if need be. Um, but, uh, you know, we saw him actually have a, a, a little bit of a talk with the training staff after he didn't stay on the ice super long in the morning like he didn't stay on for extra work uh so we're gonna just have to wait and see if he plays but if he does play he's not at 100 percent. no pretty clearly but you know what 75 percent victor hedman probably uh still pretty good uh so we'll see uh luke uh thanks for doing this enjoy the game man yeah you guys enjoy it too thanks for having me on all right there's luke fox sportsnet Leafs reporter at Scotiabank Arena getting ready for the Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning and tonight's Toronto Maple Leafs 50-50 draw. Currently, 
up to $12,520. You can get your tickets at 5050.mapleleafs.com and help change the game. So, yeah, I, uh, listen, that, that helps getting a, a firsthand opinion, somebody that saw Victor Hedman skating around, and if he doesn't look like Victor Hedman, yeah, 75% Victor Hedman is, is still better than a lot of guys 100%, but it's still 75% Victor Hedman. And a Victor Hedman who's 32 and you know playing a bunch of minutes and actually showing a little bit of wear and tear and, and not being the most Victor Hedman-y Victor Hedman that we ever saw during 82 games during the regular season. I mean, yeah, the, there's a real possibility that the Tampa Bay Lightning, well, we already know with the Eric Chernak out, is that their blue line could be a real liability going into the rest of the series. Yeah, and we'll keep an eye on the the updates and see if anything official on Hedman comes down uh, during the course of the show. We are, again, on with you until 6.30 before we kick it over to Leafs pregame. You, my guess is you have to wait for Leafs pregame to get that update. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll probably keep it as tight-lipped as they can until the final minute. You know, it's tough. Uh, you know, we're talking about so many of these Sheldon Keefe decisions, and I mentioned, hey, going away from your stacking the, the second line with all your great forwards and John Tavares on the wing, and so quickly going away from that, does that show a sign of, of panic? Hey, the Ilya Samsonov pulling him after a couple of weak goals, does that show it? Like, there is a fine line, right? Like, what do you do? If, there if is. You, if you, think you don't want to not react at all after it. a game that you just played a really poor game, but you also, like, the message also needs to be, well, we, the first... 10, 15 minutes of that game were not us. If we play, like, so how do you balance this changing things because you didn't play well, but also saying if we play our game, we play like who we are. We actually don't need to make these changes. Now, having said that, I think the Ryan O'Reilly line change, and I know they went away from it in game. I still kind of think it's more about Matthew Nyes and how yeah. the top nine fall out with Matthew Nyes in there instead of Michael Bunting. Like I, I, I well, it's also, hard to if, figure if, what the lines would be with a, with the second line still stacked and Nyes drawing in for Bunting. It's a little tougher to come up with a, a third line. You like, and you're playing with a, a couple of grunts. Like I get it. Like he, he, it's, it's good to have a defensively responsible uh, Ryan O'Reilly, but Ryan O'Reilly can also get like, get you the puck in offensive situations. Like th- there is a, a dual. That's kind of why you went out. Yeah, and got he's, him. he's good. He's <laughs> good. It turns say, out. Also, if you want to go back to the parallel of game two, 2021 against the Montreal Canadians, it was Jason Spezza open the scoring for the Maple Leafs. Maybe that's uh, Ryan O'Reilly uh, would be uh, well served to, to open up the scoring to, to ease the nerves in game two. All right, we'll continue to break it down. Shane Doan next, Coyote's all-time leading scorer in everything. Uh, and uh, a friend of Matthew Nyes joins us next. Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590 The Fan and Sportsnet 360. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we've talked a little bit, you know, I think, again, it's, you know, one of a few games, you know, first playoff experience, and one thing, it's, it's enjoying it, but, again, trusting himself. You know, he's a phenomenal player, and, you know, he's just got to lean into that, and obviously as the game progresses, I'm sure, you know, we'll be communicating as, much, as best we can. All right, fan drive time, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Sportsnet 360, Ben Ennis and Blake Murphy. Game to Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning tonight, 7 o'clock on Sportsnet also on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. That's why we only have a half hour left of this program as we get you to the uh, pregame show. So this is obviously going to be well-viewed and well-listened to in the city of Toronto and environs. Also, the state of uh, Arizona, you'd figure, as Austin Matthews, obviously Mr. Arizona, um, but also Matthew Nyes making his playoff debut 
tonight. Sorry, no, Mr. Arizona is our next guest. It's Shane Doan, the Coyotes' all-time leader in everything, <laughs> uh, Chief Hockey Development Officer for the Arizona Coyotes. How's it going, Shane? Thanks for doing this. I'm doing well. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, you're Mr. Arizona, right? Do you have a belt or something? Like, does, <laughs> Do you have like a badge that you can flash and says Mr. Arizona? Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure Austin has like Mr. Southwest, Mr. Arizona, Mr. Everything. So, uh, yeah, no, we're all we're all here um, largely because of him. So we're thankful for that. Now, I understand that if there was a belt, you and Matthew Nyes had some uh, pretty epic wrestling matches. Maybe the belt was on the line of that. Um, we, we got to read Josh Cloak's uh, awesome feature where he, where he talked to you a little bit uh, about Matthew Nyes and your relationship with him, um, th- that piece being uh, at The Athletic again by Josh Cloak. Um, for you, seeing Matthew Nyes, you know, what's happened over the the last couple of months and especially the last couple of weeks, finishing out his college season, um, joining the Leafs, and, and now tonight on the doorstep of his first career playoff game, um, what's that been like for you as someone who has a close relationship with him? It's been so exciting. For You know what? Um, our families, you know, his mom and dad and his brother, we're close with all of them, and it's been so cool to watch him kind of progress through that. It's, I, I joke and tease. It's a different world than I than I played in because not only is it you know a long time ago when I played, but it's Toronto. And uh, I know when Austin got drafted by Toronto, we talked a little bit, and I said I have no idea what it's like to play in Toronto because it is a different animal than anywhere else. And enjoy it. And they were so excited. I know uh, Maddie's family and. Meryl, his dad, was really excited. They are all excited. So this is going to be a big moment, and he's looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, you, you'd know what it's like to play in a Canadian market, although very weird circumstances with the team about to leave Winnipeg, but you made your playoff debut as a 19-year-old, and, and that, that, that Jets team that uh, had uh, 26 fewer wins than the Red Wings actually pushed that team to six <laughs> games in their final ever uh, a postseason series. What was that like as a, as a 19-year-old? Put yourself in, in Matthew Nyes' Uh, shoes tonight going into his first ever postseason game yeah that was crazy that was one of those things I'll never ever forget my favorite player growing up was Paul Coffey I I was a defenseman up until junior and I wanted to be Paul Coffey and Terry Simpson our our coach told me as a 19 year old my only job was to run Paul Coffey <laughs> I'm like I don't I don't even I, I can't catch him and uh it was funny I, I missed him like two or three times and he figured out what I was doing, and he was he was talking to me on the ice. It was probably one of the coolest moments. But the playoffs is a different animal. I, it's so much fun to play, and Maddie's uh, he's going to enjoy this. And yeah, there's angst, and there's that butterfly that um, the building's incredible. You have the best warm up warm up of your life because you're going so fast. But uh, it's a lot of fun. How do you channel that the right way? Because we, we've heard from some players like Ian Cole on Tampa Bay who say the mentality is just don't mess up, right? And we saw, for my money, the Leafs in game one looked at the start like a team that didn't want to mess up, and, and that led to them messing up more. Um, we heard Sheldon Keefe say there's, you know, there's really no pressure on Matthew Nyes because he's not being asked to come in and save the world here, but he probably feels like that a little bit. So how does he or, or anyone in this situation channel that angst you mentioned in the right ways? Well, I think it's there's an element of of just enjoying the moment. Don't don't worry about what's coming. Just be in the moment and, and realize like this has been your dream your whole life. I mean, we've all talked. Anyone that's played hockey has always talked about you know when you're when you're shooting the pockets, the the game's on the line. You you're the guy taking the shot to win the game, and 
and and to actually have a moment when you're you're playing in games like that that's what you've dreamed of and so that's the part that you get excited about and um it's it's not a it's not a scary thing it's an excited thing and and not to be anxious that you have those the the butterflies and and that angst but to be thankful that you get an opportunity to do it because it's incredible and um, it doesn't come along very often so when it does don't be afraid of it but just enjoy it in my opinion and that's that's what you know I'm sure that's what everyone around him is telling him and he's going to enjoy it and he's a great kid and he's, he's a big kid that's big and strong. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see him flying around. Well, that's what I was going to ask next. As you said, your, your job was to go, you know, hit Paul coffee. Maybe, maybe the lightning don't have uh, the Paul coffee in, in Matthew Nice's eyes, but how much of his ability to make an impact in this series in this game tonight comes down to his ability to play physically in the offensive zone. Well, we would joke. I've known him since he was a, I mean, probably six, seven years old. And, in the last three or four years, he's become what he is with the size and the strength. And we'd always say, like, 6'3", 210, 215, it travels. It, it goes everywhere. And don't get your confidence from your hands. Get your confidence from from your ability to win battles and, and drive the net and do all the simple things that you can control yourself. You can't control a bad bounce or if, you know, if a, a guy gives you a pass in your skates or whatever's going on. But you can control the physical side, just because of you've been blessed with, like I said, six three, two ten, two fifteen. So, make sure you're using that to get your confidence. And I think that's that's a big part of his game. And um, he has the hands and the shot and everything that goes with it. And so it's exciting to watch him. But uh, at the same time, uh, that's where he's going to get his confidence from. Yeah, I, I feel like he has a lot of confidence, Shane. Like in, in the in the brief time that we, we've seen him <laughs> in those three regular season games, he didn't seem like a guy that was afraid to to make a mistake. Like, what can you say about a kid that has gone through obviously uh, some very important games in in college and got all the way to a national championship game this season, um, and is playing in in arguably the the hockey mecca here in in Toronto in his first ever postseason game that that there is something that you can't teach as far as confidence. It does seem like he has that. Yeah, without a doubt. I think every player has that um, confidence kind of comes from repetition and then the more and consistency and the more that you believe that, you know, you've been in those situations, the more comfortable and confident you're going to be. That being said, this is his first Stanley Cup playoff game and there's going to be, you know, there's some trepidation and just waiting for it to start and, um, and that when that's happening and you have all of that emotion in your body, again, it, it'll fall back on his ability to just to keep it simple and win the battles and do those things. And that confidence will, will grow from there, but it's hard. It's hard when, you know, the other team is going as fast as they can go too, and they're playing with confidence and they're, you know, they won the first game and the game's, it's a little bit easier for them. So you don't have to battle through that. Uh, so yeah, Matthew and I's, truly from Arizona, born and raised there. Austin Matthews, kind of a fraud, uh, moved uh, to Arizona when he was two months old, born in California, though, so it's, it's hard to even call him an Arizona. No, I kid, but I, uh, apparently these guys have had a relationship, obviously, with, with Nyes being in the Maple Leafs organization, even and you know asking Austin for some advice as, as far as when to sign and maybe Austin pushing him but not trying to be too explicit about it last year and him finally joining the team this year. What, what can you say about the relationship between those two guys and then yourself as well and, and off season spent in Arizona. Well, it, that's probably the most unique part about playing hockey in Arizona is if you, there's only, you know, there's only I think five or six rinks and they each have two or three sheets, 
but in the whole city. So if you're an NHL player, you know where the NHL, you know where the rinks are that you can go skate at. And most of the kids there will meet you and come across you. So it's a very tight, tight knit group. And Austin has met so many of the boys that have played here and is kind of the, the hero and the flag bearer for all those boys. And he handles it incredibly well with the way that they all kind of want his, his approval and his attention. And then during the summer, he usually runs skates and I've helped out with those skates and put those skates on. And it's, and it started years and years ago when Austin was, uh, was young, like he was like 15, 16 years old. He was skating with us and, and then he's kind of done the same thing. And so he knows he's known Maddie for a long time and, he would skate with Maddie and my boys and, and their team every now and again. And, and that's just the way it is here. And like, obviously in, in Toronto, it's different because there's the, the GTO has such an incredible uh, surrounding and hockey kind of ecosystem that it has there that you don't get the opportunity to go skate with Matt Sundin or to when, when I was, a, you know, when they, when the kids were younger, uh, but, or now somebody like Austin, but here you do. And so he's developed relationships with all of those guys, and I know that Maddie wants to be and wanted to be like like Austin, and I think it's cool he's wearing twenty three as hmm. you know the three four and the two three. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is cool. It's uh, and uh, me as a basketball guy, you know, my head goes right to Jordan. So that's a that's a nice uh, nod <laughs> to his confidence level uh, as well. You you paint the picture of Austin Matthews obviously being this very important figure in Arizona hockey. He's a very important figure for the Toronto Maple Leafs in this series as well. Shane, I know you got a chance to watch game one of this series. Matthews comes through it with two assists. Thought he played a pretty solid first period and then, you know, wasn't a a huge presence down the stretch as many people weren't in a game that was pretty out of hand. What did you make of his game one performance and what, you know, if there's an area that he can give the Leafs a little bit more tonight, what is that area? <laughs> well, he's Austin Matthews and he's a Hart Trophy winner and the, and the Rocket Richard winner. So I think he probably knows better than anyone <laughs> what he needs to do. And uh, um, But you know what? Watching him play, he's doing everything, uh, all the little things. If you watch his game, his game in the last two years has developed to a full 200-foot game. And if you obviously watch a game you see everything he does but when you look at even the, the smaller numbers you see the little things that he does that are so impressive and 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 that game the other night was was hard to watch if you're a Toronto fan because so many things that went wrong just kept going wrong and it and sometimes that happens and sometimes when that happens there really isn't anything you can do as a player it's it's it is a game of emotion and you get on the wrong side of it and and Tampa kind of got on the right side of it and got it rolling and, and momentum kind of carried them. And it's, that's a, that's a big ball to kind of stop once it's rolling. And I think for Austin, he just plays his game. He's like I said, he's the reigning heart trophy winner. So uh, there's one of those, that's kind of something that uh, when he plays his game, he's elite and he'll be elite tonight. And I'm excited to watch him. Yeah, I expect the whole Maple Leafs team to look a lot different uh, tonight than they did in game one. But yeah, for us who have never played in the NHL, we're trying to figure out why they looked the way they did for at least the the first 10 minutes of the hockey game. I mean, if not the whole first 20 minutes of of the hockey game and it it looks like nerves to to us, it looks like some jitters. I I don't know. What what were you thinking watching the the start of game one, Shane? That... uh... (laughs) I don't know. You know, there's a little bit of that. This whole year has been like, well, what are they going to do in the playoffs? Yeah. Realistically, that's what everyone said. 
and all of a sudden it's here and and the first goal is not it's not a bad goal it's just a goal that happens in a game that's kind of a bounce that it's a scrum and someone happens to get a stick on it and it goes in and that that year of waiting and there's an element of like oh my gosh I can't believe that just happened we've been waiting for this moment for the whole year and we're down one nothing and then for it to happen almost identical right away again and you can try to point at anyone's fault that's a hockey those are hockey goals that are just bounces there and you can say well this guy didn't do that this guy didn't do that right and that but realistically those are those are bounces scrums in front of the net that could easily went the other way and that wouldn't have been a big issue and all of a sudden Toronto's on the wrong side of it and the weight of the entire year seemed to kind of settle on them and look like for me and that's that is the hardest thing to, for people to understand is that the best player in the world can feel the weight of, of, of a year like that. And it's hard. And I'm not just an individual, but as a team and the mental side of the game is so difficult to figure out. And sometimes you need to get punched in the mouth to really see what you have. And I think I'm excited to see that, you know, what Toronto does and, and, for them to respond tonight will be huge. And when they do, that'll be a badge that they get to carry with them going forward. But last game happened, we responded, we're going forward. And now, now we're rolling. We're through what's the worst thing that can happen. And and we've already dealt with that. And we're going to take care of it tonight. All right, Shane, that's the huge game too in Toronto tonight. There's also a pretty huge game too in Coachella Valley tomorrow. Your son, Josh Stone, (laughs) a draft pick and recent signee by the Arizona Coyotes. Got into a couple games there. They're in the playoffs. They're down one, nothing in a best of three series. Uh, How, how is Josh doing? And what has this process been like for you to see your son? You know, I know you have a relationship with Matthew Nyes and Austin Matthews, but Josh Stone is your son and he's in some pretty meaningful AHL games right now. Yeah, he was excited. I mean, obviously, it didn't go even close to the way they wanted last night. It was a tough one. Uh, it was probably similar to the feeling that Toronto felt. We, uh, I, I actually drove over and watched the game with my wife. Uh, we just got back here to, to Arizona. and That was a tough one to watch, but he's excited. Um, you know what? He's playing with so, some good hockey players in that in, in the game. with uh, Adam Cracknell's his captain, and he gets to play with him. And, and Mike and uh, Mike Carcone, who's probably the MVP of the AHL, is getting to play with him. So those are good players. Shane Wright's in that game, and Joey Decor is a good goal. So it's it's some good players, and it's fun to watch them play. Um, and he's got a lot to learn, but he's excited, and he's uh, he's looking forward to the game tomorrow night. Um, wants to be a little bit better. It's anyone that loses in the playoffs does. And I know him and Maddie have been talking, and uh, he was there. They tease each other a little bit, and Maddie's kind of giving it to him, and. Hmm. So it's it's going to be a fun it's going to be a fun game for them uh, to play tomorrow night. But uh, just got to find a way to win one, and then you're in a sudden death. So anything can happen. Well, uh, anything can happen for Matthew Nyes and the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight in a game two against the Tampa Bay Lightning. As uh, you know, we got a, a couple of one born in Arizona, one guy that uh, moved there when he was two months old, in Austin Matthews and, and Matthew <laughs> Nyes. Shane, like I, I imagine uh, the the whole state of of Arizona tonight, if you're a hockey fan, is watching this game tonight, right? Well, without a doubt, and all, and all the boys that play, and all, everyone. I mean, I remember we were on the ice when when Austin scored the, in the first game when he got his four goals. We were in practice mm-hmm. uh, here in at the ice den, and the fact that I know where we were at when he did it is an example of what it was like here in Arizona when he plays. So it's a really cool thing for for Maddie and Austin to be on the same team together, and uh, I know that uh, it gives some comfort to Maddie just. 
the type of guy that Austin is and the way he is with, with the boys from here. And it gives him kind of that big brother mentality. So that's, that's special for him. And then obviously Maddie just to, to get a chance to play in the Stanley cup playoffs. I mean, it is such an incredible feeling to get to play in, uh, in the playoffs and to play in Toronto. That, that's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and a couple of kids from Arizona doing it for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Can't wait to, to watch it. Uh, Shane, thanks so much for doing this. Appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate it guys. And good luck. I know that you guys aren't really that worried. Hey, in Toronto, you guys are pretty comfortable nah, with what's going on. Everybody's chill here, Shane. Yeah. We're just all super relaxed. I don't bite my nails, but my nails are in disrepair right now. That That's how I'll frame it for you, Shane. Well, <laughs> I love the big button that you guys jump on when it starts to go sideways <laughs> and, and everyone in, in, in Toronto hits. It's always fun. So as a Western Canadian guy, we always smile at the way that Toronto handles that because there's so much pressure and those guys, I mean, they carry the weight of the whole city and the city cares so much. What an incredible experience as a player to get to play there. Yeah, it'd be neat, you know, for the first time in 20 years to win a, a playoff series. We'll see. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it'll happen uh, in this series. Uh, thanks, Shane. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right, there's Shane Doan. Uh, Mr. Arizona, uh, not like that fraud, Austin Matthews. You are obsessed with this. <laughs> well, I actually had forgotten that he wasn't born in Arizona because I was, you know, I was actually doing some you know, researching as to whether two Arizona-born players had ever shared an ice surface before. I'm, pr- I'm pretty certain that even two guys as as related to Arizona here's, have never done it. Here's my theory on either. why you're actually so I want to call him a, a fraud. I like using yeah. the word fraud. No, you're just you're well, so locked like in on Austin fraud. Matthews' actual birthplace yeah. because you are reading the tea leaves of how the first round has gone so far. You're feeling a little anxious about the Leafs, and you're ready to throw your rooting interest behind the Winnipeg Jets and be like, yeah. actually, I was born there, even was, though I, I don't nice feel uniform. like I'm from Winnipeg, and I don't. Hey, my dad had season tickets in the in the brief years that we we lived there i posted a photo of me as a kid in a very nice winnipeg jets jersey uh on instagram the other day and it's I, a good, I, good little throwback but this is why i think you're so obsessed with austin matthew's birthplace because someone well the jets fans will be like you're not actually from winnipeg and you'll be like actually i'm more from birthplace. winnipeg than austin matthews is from arizona <laughs> and no one has any problem yeah. it, it's like it's like when people would be like well actually steve nash is from south africa not canada um <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So if you're searching on basketball reference, maybe it doesn't work out because the birthplace, but you're fine. Austin Matthews being from Arizona is fine. It'll be all right. Yeah. And it won't matter because the Leafs will turn the series around, right? Possibly. Um, It is good though, to get, you know, that idea that, you know, it seemed pretty clear watching the first 10 minutes that this was a team that was nervous that you get verification from guys that have played in postseason games. And it wasn't a super long postseason career for, for Shane Doan, of course, played on some Coyotes teams that didn't make the playoffs, but he played on, on one that went uh, a fair ways, went to the Western conference final, believe. And then, you know, as a 19 year old playing against Paul coffee, yeah, you play 200 years in the NHL. You're going to get some playoff experience. No kidding. And to, to have that reinforced that, Hey, yeah, these these guys, despite the fact that they've been in postseason games of of equal magnitude, and seven of them against the same Tampa Bay Lightning team a season ago, that a year later, you can still feel the nerves in a hockey game, and it it should be noted that they did get over it briefly by cutting that lead to three two in game one with the power oh, uh, play. Boy, power the play bar goals. is so low. 
the bar is so buddy the bar is win a playoff round which everybody yeah. does like look at the crappy teams that have won a playoff round mm-hmm. over the last 19 years yeah the bar is we're, low. we're a couple months away from doing this with the blue jays too where it's like the, the literal <laughs> kansas city win royals game, won yeah. a world series <laughs> without a good player um yeah it's it doesn't feel like a very high bar and yet here we are uh with the series one nothing tampa bay Still no update on Victor Hedman, so we don't, you know, you don't know exactly how you feel heading into this one. But I don't think it's a great sign, confidence-wise or just energy-wise, that, yeah, I I keep looking to see if Victor Hedman's playing or not. Uh, Obviously, he is, you know, the best defenseman in the series and arguably the most impactful individual player in the series, given how these two teams match up. But you should feel a little more confident in just beating the Lightning regardless right now. But that's what this team does to you in the playoffs. No, but he is such a linchpin. And and go back to that President's Trophy winning Lightning team before they broke through for their first Stanley Cup championship in the bubble. That 2019 team that set the then record for points and wins in an NHL's regular season. And then bowing out in four games to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, Victor Hedman played in the first two games like minimally. He, he was hurt. And then... Didn't play in the rest of them. And guess what happened? The best team in the history of the National Hockey League got beat by the freaking Columbus Blue Jackets. So you think that that guy is important? I would. Even at 32, even though all his advanced stats and even the the, the normal counting stats are slightly down. Slightly down. Yeah. He, like I, I think I phrased it the other day. Has he maybe gone from super elite to just regular elite? Yeah. Oh, no. The drop off is so substantial. No. I mean... It's, it's Victor Hedman. Obviously, it's a it's a really big deal if he's uh, in the lineup or not tonight. Whatever that says uh, about where the Leafs are at. Uh, I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, can't wait to see it. Um, can't wait to have a new set of narratives to talk about for uh, tomorrow's. I mean, they're show. not even. I mean, I guess the bunting thing is like narrative, but I I do feel like a lot. There was even though only like ten or fifteen minutes of that game was like actual good film material because after that it's like oh you're down three and that changes how you evaluate and then you're down four and those minutes are you know garbage in the third period there I I really do feel like there was a a lot to to pick apart from that game no there was um and again positives more more Uh, fun to pick apart a win it wasn't a blowout start to finish it was three two at one point the the Leafs at one point were also two for two on the power play all right time now for for last call this year's version of there was more respect in the handshake line is going to be power play didn't they cut the they cut the lead to three two uh yeah they went out in five games instead of four when it could have been all right time now for last call brought to you by bet rivers it's a whole new game naturally we will start at scotiabank arena where the Toronto Maple Leafs are favored in a hockey game, as you would expect them to be, being the home team and losing game one. And we saw the Oilers bounce back despite, yeah, some nervous moments in the hockey game, but they bounced back uh, to even their series with the Kings yesterday. Leafs minus 165 to do so tonight against the Lightning, uh, who are plus 140. That game is, of course, at 7 o'clock on Sportsnet. Pre-game show starting up in about seven minutes' time on Sportsnet. Sportsnet 590, the fan. The Rangers are up one game to none. Same situation for the Devils, who are down one nothing on home ice. And uh, the Devils are lesser favorites against the Rangers. They are minus 136. Rangers plus 116. The Avalanche, the defending champs, shockingly losing game one to the Seattle Kraken. And uh, this is a large number. Minus 225, as you would expect uh, the Avalanche to be uh, against a Kraken team who should just be happy to be there. Uh, you, certainly happy to be up one nothing. You know what's an even bigger line than that? 
What's that? The Phoenix Suns against the Clippers team with no Kawhi and no Paul George. <laughs> we'll get to that in just a second. Wrapping up the hockey with the, the Jets in Vegas oh, to play the Golden Knights. Game. My bad. All good. Uh, Vegas uh, minus 167 against the Jets. Yeah. Okay. No Kawhi tonight, who apparently was dealing with a knee injury. It's not the Yeah, the not leg. related to the ACL. It's a, a knee sprain he suffered in game one and just kind of toughed it through it. An unbelievable game one performance and then a, a pretty solid game two from him as well. Uh I'm not going to wear the Westbrook kicks tomorrow, even if he has a good game again this time, because they are not the coziest of kicks, but it's a Russell Westbrook night, win or lose. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, Suns are seven and a half point favorites on the road uh, at Crypto.com Arena against the Clippers. It was six before uh, Kawhi departed. So Kawhi only worth a point and a half seems kind of low, in fact. And uh, that was Last Call, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Ilya Samsonov trying to pick up his second career postseason victory for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Joseph Wall sitting nervously on the bench, wondering if he is going to enter a hockey game. The Toronto Maple Leafs trying to erase the memories of what was a horrible 60 minutes just two days ago. Pre-game show getting underway in mere moments right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and Sportsnet. This has been the Fan Drive Time. Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590 The Fan and Sportsnet 360. Enjoy the game, everybody.